da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Well, it's been just about four years now, and countless Marvel movie reviews on the Mad About Movies podcast, and still, guys, still, we're talking about a Marvel movie with no Thanos. I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> how, ma- how much longer are they going to keep this bid up? I'm, I'm convinced, Kevin Feige, Next year. I know you listen to the show, uh, this is a bit, a very elaborate bit that uh, props, you know, props on the bit. You fooled fooled everybody every single year. We come to the movies, and we think we're going to get Thanos, the villain that you've been teasing since the original Avengers, and uh, we still haven't gotten it. And we think, or we thought, with Guardians of the Galaxy being so celestial, that we would get a lot of Thanos. We were wrong. But uh, we're here to break Next it down, year. nonetheless. Next year, we think. We Next think, year. Right? No, that's Next what we year. thought last year and the year before that, Brian. <laughs> uh, we, we were definitely wrong in that regard, but it feels like just yesterday, fellas, that we were gathering in my apartment, like four apartments ago at this point, <laughs> and discussing what was then the concept or uh, the announcement of Guardians of the Galaxy, that they were making a movie of the Marvel comic series Guardians of the Galaxy. And here we are. Four years later, many, many uh, an episode later, mm-hmm. uh, here to break down the sequel, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Uh, I want to welcome any first-time listeners we have out there to the Mad About Movies podcast. I am Kent, joined by Brian and Richard, who are here with me pretty much every week now. Hey, guys. Hey, buddy. Glad y'all made it for this one. You both made it. We made it. They said we couldn't do it, but we're here. If we made it, if we all three made it for the circle, we we're all three making it for this one. Like, I'm surprised no one conveniently was like, guys, really can't make it this week. Yeah. You guys go ahead. Uh, but we did. We, we powered through. And I just want to say think- th- thank you to the listener, because that's one of our most popular episodes of the past yeah. year already. And I have no idea why. Uh, don't I think know. we definitely had more listeners to our review of the circle than the circle had viewers in a theater. <laughs> here's, sure. what, here's what happened. Is that everybody was out there searching for a podcast on the circle, and we were the only one. Every other <laughs> podcast was like, "We're not, we're not even touching that one." Uh, but we we did the public service and uh, and talked about it. And I think we talked about it for longer than the movie was, which is shocking because it was way too long of a movie. And I don't know why we're even talking about it right now because I never want to talk about it again. Well, I have a good feeling it'll come up at the end of the year, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> Best of uh, 2017. <laughs> I mean, it's in my top 10 right now. So, you know. I've only well, seen o- eight films. There's only but, been eight you know, movies that have but... come out, so by default, it's in there. Yeah. Well, we got a packed show for you guys tonight. We're going to talk American Treasures here very shortly and uh, introduce that to any new listeners we have out there. It's been a, it's been a while. Gotten some messages like, hey, guys, when are you going to do some more American Treasures? And uh, And this week's the week. We're also mm-hmm. going to tell you how we can improve your smile. Yes, that's right. How Mad About Ooh. Movies can improve your smile. I mean, I know we improve your soul and your relationships with men and women on a daily basis with our relationship advice. Hashtag Mad About Relationships. But this week, we get to teach you 
how to improve your smile with the show. Look forward to that. And of course, lots of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 talk. So, Richard. Yo. Yo. How's everything going? All is well in Richard Land. Good. Yeah. Good. I haven't haven't got an update from Richard Land in a while. Just wanted to make sure things were good. Well, there was an there was an alt right candidate that yeah. came along, <laughs> and uh, but lost only thirty two percent of the vote. So that yeah. we were pretty w- relieved over here. The good. olive vote really swung it. It's good. Yep. Yeah. Olive stayed. She's a centrist, loyal centrist, and and uh, <laughs> sought it out. So that's good. Good. Yeah, man. Everything's good, but I have a feeling it's about to get a lot worse. Why is that? I don't know. You just you're you're talking to me, and I feel like you're about to bring up a certain episode that I'm going to have to do of some kind. That is right. <laughs> just seeing how you were holding up. So, uh, any anybody that listened to our episode a couple of weeks ago, in which Brian Brian brilliantly organized the Mad About Movies um, March Madness Madness, the first ever <laughs> Mad About Movies March Madness Madness, and in that episode, Brilliant. we actually had a bet going. That if Semi Pro beat out the Dirk Doc Novitsky, mm-hmm. per- the perfect shot, that we would then, uh, I think uh, Richard would do a solo episode or I would do a solo episode, depending on which one won. The listeners spoke, and uh, Semi Pro did end up beating the Dirk Doc, shockingly. Yeah. And a shocking Never forgive dirt. any of you for that, by yeah. the way. None of you. By the way, none of you all, none of the listeners are allowed to listen to the show anymore, so turn it <laughs> yeah, off you're, now. You're all no. on my list. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. I was pulling for Semi Pro. I thought, I thought it had some legs in that tournament. Didn't end up taking the championship, but um, oh, made God. it past the Sweet 16 and the, the Elite Eight. Uh, and that was unprecedented. That was the Cinderella story of the, mm-hmm, the entire yeah. thing. So. Having said that, we put out a little poll. Uh, I had a lot of great suggestions from the Mam Fam out there, and they sent me some really, truly cruel movies. By the way, some, <laughs> there's some disturbing people out there who need need to get help. There are hotlines you can call. You need help if you're suggesting, uh, you know, Corky Romano to Richard. That's just cruel. Gosh, that's so just mean. horribly cruel. Um, but it wasn't Corky Romano. Uh, we had four. Nominees, Brian. If you want to prep the nominees, and then we'll reveal mm. the winner. So I thought I thought all of these four would have been good for different reasons, Brian. Um, maybe yeah. fill us in on those. So your four choices uh, that you gave the that you gave the listener based on all of the based on all the suggestions that were given us. Yeah, all the suggestions uh, were Rollerball 2002 version, <laughs> not the James Con version, the the Chris Klein version. So you. know. So you know it's good. Wait, there are uh, two? Battlefield Earth was one of the, the choices. Mm-hmm. Son of the Mask was what I was pulling for. <laughs> that was Same. my. That's what got my vote. Uh, and and the Blair Witch Project was the uh, was the final, the final nominee and and ultimately won with thirty thirty six percent of the vote. Um, so I think that was we had a few people who were like, really Blair Witch? Why is this winning? And I I just had to fill people in on like Richard hates the wood. That right, this is kind of. This is yeah, a torture. but let me tell you guys something about this, and I think you might have made a mistake, listeners. I'm not scared of the woods. I'm bored by the woods. And so, things that happen in the woods are just always boring. It's always fairies or, like, lame horror movies. So, like, you picked the wrong movie if you want to tick me off, because I don't care about the Blair Witch Project in any capacity. I'm going to do an episode on it. I guarantee you, and I'm not being smart here, I, I and I will do my best, and it'll... 
any of those other three would have been way better. Well, episodes. here's the thing. Promise here's you. the thing. Yeah. Uh, as chairman of the Mad About Movies podcast, <laughs> I have the power to override the the vote. <laughs> and, and right here on the show, live, I can override it to Son of the Mask in about seven seconds. Actually, 0.7 seconds. <laughs> Should I do it? Brian, do I have your support? I'm in, dude. That got my vote. I mean, it'll make, it may make the listener angry, but the ep- 100% the episode will be better if Richard is reviewing Son of the Mask I'm versus telling you, Blair it Witch will Project. Be. Like, it will 100%. Yeah. Because um, so Blair Witch do. Project is such a boring movie to yeah. talk about, honestly. Like, especially in a solo capacity. Here's, so, here's so the thing. You what, here's what we'll do. Okay, Why don't we yeah. get one more poll and we'll just, we'll narrow it down to Son of the Mask or Blair Witch and we'll let okay. the listeners have a final say. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get rid of the other two options. Yeah. It's gonna, it's if gonna you're be... listening now, you... Listen, we're telling you, you should vote Son of the Mask. It will yeah. be a much more enjoyable episode than Blair Witch Project will be. I guarantee. How about we compromise and say we do a throwback episode on Blair Witch this year? <laughs> okay. For Halloween or for whatever. Sure. And yeah. then we do Son of the Mask Richard Solo. Son of the Richard. <laughs> Hashtag Son I of am, the Richard. I am technically Son of the Richard. Um Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's fine with me. I'm telling you, it would be better. I'm, I I will happily submit a Blair Witch episode by myself, but it's going to be a lot of, you know, probably stories about other things in my life because there's, if you want me to fill 30 minutes, because, I mean, is there anything more boring than the Blair Witch? I mean, it's it's a found yeah. footage movie. I don't really know what to yeah. tell you. Um, so. Wow. Uh, this is going to be tough. This is a tough decision I have to make. Put me on the spot here. I actually tried to sway the vote. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I manage about four or five accounts for work and Twitter accounts for work and everything. <laughs> I voted Son of the Mask on every single one, and it didn't make a lick of a difference. Yeah, but um, man, should I do it, Brian? I, look, I feel like I, I'm betraying I, the, the, the Mam Fam yeah. if they picked Blair I, I, Witch. I think we should split the difference and do and go with Richard's suggestions. We should put up a poll. You have two choices: Son of the Mask or Blair Witch Project. That's it. Find us on Twitter. At MAM underscore podcast and vote. We'll put that up like maybe Friday. We'll do that. Yes. And have one day voting and, and just those are your only two choices. And look, if, if Blair Witch still wins out, then clearly that's what the people want. But we are all, t- all three of us are telling you Son of the Mask will be a much more enjoyable episode. Have you ever seen Son of the Mask, no, Richard? That's the other okay. Thing too. And I've that, seen yeah, Blair exactly. Witch like 30 yeah. times. I still have nothing to say about it. Right. Right. And I think that I've would make it. I've never seen yeah. Son of the Mask and I'll be coming in hot. Right. So, okay, listeners, Friday, M-A-M, at MAM underscore podcast on Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter account, get a Twitter account. Follow us just so you can vote in this. And uh, we want to make sure we get the, the perfect Richard Solo podcast episode out there for you. Yes, I have a feeling we will. Okay, that's, uh, that's all we got for, uh, I guess, our State of the Union for the week. Uh, by the <laughs> oh, way, we have another contest coming the Mad About Movies Summer Movie Draft was a couple weeks ago. You have, still have time to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have another contest. The loser of that has to do a solo episode as well. And right. we of shall see. Of the winners see. choosing. Of yeah. the winners choosing. So there's another Love chance it. for uh, possibly Rollerball I'm, 2002 I'm to, to be. A, I'm off to a hot start, guys. I'm sitting yeah. at like 328 points right now. Yeah, you're, at, you're, at, uh, you're the only one who has a movie on the board right now. And you've got... Uh, You've got about twelve points thus far. It'll and it'll continue to rise thanks to the the box office total. So Despicable pretty, Me three will be my. Solid. I'll ride it to the glory land. The minions <laughs> will carry me to the promised land. Never yeah. thought that would happen. Yep. But you uh, they could. 
Bazinga. Should I get a? Well, I'll get a. I'll get a minion tattoo if I win. How about that? <laughs> I will. Now, hold you down. I will yeah. literally hold you down. I'm rooting for you now. Yeah, I'm gonna trade all my teams to make sure that <laughs> I'm that can't win. Yeah. I desired. I just. <laughs> By the way, uh, uh, some some of the Mam Fam on Twitter are playing along with our movie draft, and they sent us their their drafts. I love, it. I love that so they cool. somebody sent us a whiteboard with them and their six friends all picked movies and they're going to play along. Yeah. So please do that. Send us your picks and mm-hmm. we'll have a good old fun time at the end of the summer. By the way, there was a question. I just hired Sam Henke, uh, Brian, <laughs> and I wanted to trade. I'm trading uh, Baywatch um, for some weird movie cool. out of Saudi Arabia about, uh, uh, I don't even know. It seems like about, I think it's just about sand. Oh, anyway, that's it's just that's the sand. Choice. Wow, I hate yeah, sand. Sand is sand is really oh, big over like overseas, though. I mean, we don't get it here, but internationally, sand is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, Spider Man Three was so big. We are cutting it off on uh, on April. I mean, August the first, I think. Uh, so we gotta not, go. I think yeah, we I gotta go to like mid August at least. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've got just, the Planet of the Apes movie right, which doesn't even come right. out until. Yeah, I've got Dunkirk, which doesn't come out until oh, like, so right, yeah, July twenty first or something. Yeah, I but, think we should do end of August, Kent. Sure. We'll okay. Come in hot after uh, Labor Day and and mm-hmm. uh, just get as many. About how it. about yeah. we? No, this would take too much work. I was gonna say, how about we calculate sixty days per movie, and like when the last one that comes out is done with sixty days in the theaters or or out, then we stop it. Yeah, we because that, that means by the end of the summer, yeah. Guardians is going to have been out for like three and a half months. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. That's not yeah, going to totally. be fair if it's yeah. out that much. It's just like that—that's three extra weeks of, of box office, possibly yeah. that it could add. So we'll we, we'll come we up with some, something. Something sure. uh, interesting note, not interesting, but kind of <laughs> confusing note. Blade Runner not coming out the summer; it's coming out in the fall. That oh would that might have been the number one pick. Or the number two wait. pick had it had Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I don't come know. out this I don't summer. Think that's gonna make a ton of like summer money. Yeah, I think that's a rival money, probably. Yeah. But but still incredible. No, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be a hundred percent around tomatoes, but it'll yeah. maybe make I don't know, three hundred million maybe. I don't know. Something it'll make a lot of money, but it's you think? not uh it's not for the you know, the, like this people that are gonna go see Blade Runner are, are not gonna go multiple multiple times and mm-hmm. oh, i'm glad this is I on the record i think no i mean i movie nerds are and sci-fi nerds like us are but i just yeah. don't think joe schmo goes and sees blade runner it's times. not the same audience as transformers 5 exactly yeah there'll be plenty of crossover but it's not you know the, the there's a venn diagram in there somewhere it's not like yeah. complete overlap and i'm glad this is on the record i think this is going to be huge <laughs> I think right. it might be as big as uh, I don't know, Planet of the Apes or something like that. I think it'll. I want to see what Alien Covenant makes. I think I think it, the to me the best case if Alien Covenant comes out and it makes a ton ton of money, then that would I think oh that would make me feel like there's a chance that Blade yeah. Runner scores that kind of open. But I I don't know how that's going to play either. So I, I want to see what Covenant does. You're forgetting I, about I'm very interested about that about right two words. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Look, it could be. It's just, it's playing off of a movie that was, that's a cult hit to begin yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. So the I original Blade Runner had Harrison Ford at his peak and it didn't make any money. So, yeah. 
It, it, no, it we'll is. See. Now it's like, I, I just see this as being like the holy moly, holy crap movie of the, the fall, you know? Yeah, Denny no, at the I helm, think- Ryan Gosling, like peak Gosling right now, uh, coming off La La Land. Harrison Ford didn't make that much money. Like, well, you know what I mean. But like, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about the. Well, the recognition game. No, I agree. But the game we're playing. You said like it would be the number one pick. The games for the money. You know what I mean. So I don't think money it would be combined with Rotten Tomatoes. Right. I, I I really think the Rotten Tomatoes is going to screw all of us. It's going to be our demise when <laughs> when Transformers makes. Literally two billion dollars, but it's eleven percent. Like that's right, where right. we're gonna lose points. Yeah. It's not because it didn't yeah. make money. It's gonna be because it was bad. You know, mm-hmm. I think the it'll even out. It'll be a high nineties movie, and it'll be a two hundred, two hundred fifty million in the U.S. kind of a movie. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, I just that's not that wouldn't be a number one pick in the movie draft for money. Huh. That, Nothing will do that. I mean, then you only get the you only get. 250 of the point, you know, as opposed to even if, even if Transformers is at 10%, it's going to be about the same amount of points because it's going to make 2 billion. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to be a surprise hit. I mean, I'm just that trailer was incredible. That's one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Uh, I think it's the same week as it, though, isn't it? Something like that? Uh, I think it moved off of that. What's it? I want to know what it's opening against. Because October, it's like October fifth. It's the it first good. Mo- it's the 8th. first like Oscar season mo- uh, week mm-hmm. of the year. Yeah, yeah. Blade Runner's October sixth. Um, I don't see. I don't know what else is out at that. It's coming out that same week. I'd have to go through the whole. It's okay. Okay, but well, uh, we'll have to see with that one. But let's move on and let's hit a quick uh, American Treasures. Yeah. Yay. So the way this is so the way that this works is uh we have a Hall of Fame on the website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com, where we keep track of people we like to dub American treasures. The requirements for the Hall of Fame is you have to be active in your industry for 25 years or 50 years old. You have to be an American citizen or a North American citizen. Mm-hmm. And the most important category, Brian, Mm-hmm. Sense of humor about oneself. Mm. Ah, yes, yes. So tricky. Very, very important. So tricky. Very mm. tricky. So, uh, having said that, best two out of three wins. If two of us vote them in, they're in. Two of us vote them out, they're out. So, we've each prepared our nominees for this week and this month. Richard, who is your American Treasure nominee? So I need a little bit of clarification on the rules. So okay. you, when we say American citizen, it's um, it's rather just the the act of 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 being a citizen. It's not necessarily native born. Like it's not the president rules, right? Right. Or is right. It, I think that's okay. fair. Yeah. Okay. Like Akeem Olajuwon is eligible. Sure. Okay. Sure. Well, well, you read my mind. No. Um, I'm Noted show. for his great Mine's sense of humor. One. We, you know, we, I'm trying to branch it out a little bit in terms of. Not just film people, um, mm-hmm. and not just, uh, and so I'm going to go. A public figure is someone who always has a sort of a pretentious um, career no. and skill set, but has never had a pretentious attitude about it. Is someone who's always really funny and willing to do bits with their pretentious skill. So I'm going to go with 
and also someone who has done some great film score work as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with American Treasure, Yo-Yo Ma. What? <laughs> that is the most random nominee we've go. had. I'm throwing it out there. I'm just trying. I'm mixing it up. I know very little about Yo-Yo Ma. Oh, he's other really than funny. it's what Cosmo Kramer yelled when he was having seizures or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like what? Who's Yo-Yo Ma? The cellist? Yeah. So I know he's a cellist. He's, he's done a exactly. It's kind of a pretentious skill set, but he's done a bunch of great stuff with Colbert. Um, and he sits in with the band a lot on Colbert. Um, and he's just a very friendly, funny person. I've always enjoyed, and I I I like when people have like a really uh, like old guard skill set, but are really normal seeming, seeming funny people. So, Brian, your thoughts? This is easily like I'm super impressed. This is this is a pull uh, that I would never have uh, have, would never be prepared for. Was have never expected. Um, I have almost nothing to go off of beyond Kit. That's probably like the most I know about him is the. Uh, is the Cosmo Kramer bit. Um, and I, yeah, I've seen them do Colbert stuff. That's I I'm shocked, dude. That was a, that was a way outside the box thinker. So I'm going to, I'm going to back your play. I don't have anything to, I certainly don't have anything to say negatively against him. I also don't have a huge, a, a lot to add to the discussion, but, uh, as, as the president of, uh, of the American Treasures Association, uh, I, 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 I'll back your play. I'm with you. So you, you've got my vote. Kent, what, what would you say? It's definitely the most random, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a reason for him not to be in, you know? Yeah. If I'm, yeah. If I'm thinking of negatives, the only negative I could think of with that was that what Richard said. He was born in Paris. So... Mm-hmm. I could pull that card out like really hard and demand that. But I mean, this guy has won the Polar Music Prize, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the National Medal <laughs> for the Arts. Uh, he's graduated from Juilliard and Harvard. Um, he has 18 Grammys. Gosh. He's recorded 90 albums. Um, yeah. You we know, Ma, you're we, both welcome. And just opened your eyes. <laughs> and we have zero cellists. In the American Treasure Hall of Fame, yeah, and not the a Undertaker, one. the Undertaker, but not professionally, <laughs> just in right. his spare time. The Undertaker's going to need someone to jam with at the after party, <laughs> after at the apartment, the AT apartment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say yes. American like Treasure, it. Yo Yo Ma. Look at us. We're like the most cultured people ever. I feel like like that just took us to a whole nother level. And he's that guy's gonna look awesome on stage in his denim vest. I'm super yeah. stoked about it. We'll get a one for the playing cello that too. cello. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And the denim vest. What a this is this is the best day we've ever had on this show. I feel like hey, that's what I try to do. I try to bring outside the box American <laughs> treasures. Wow, that is very outside the box. Okay, uh, Brian, what, who's your nominee? I've got. I've got two here. I'm going to let you guys choose which way we're going to go. Am I, are we going, you want an actor or do you want uh, a public figure? Let's go actor since, since Richard had public figure. All right. So I've been, uh, perpetually I'm rewatching parks and recreation. Like I finished parks and recreation and then I, I have to fight the urge not to, to start over immediately because it's my favorite show of all time. And I, I just love it. And it's, it's comfort food for my soul. Um, there's a, a particular actor who 
shows up late in the show's run. Um, and I always kind of forget that he's in the show until I get to this point, And then I'm always reminded of how much I love this person and how he 100% personifies everything that we are looking for in an American treasure, especially sense of humor about himself. Every time he pops up, whether it's uh, Arrested Development or some terrible Adam Sandler movie or whatever he's doing, he's always a blast. I always enjoy watching him. And if it helps your your vote, guys, here in a second, when I, when I put him to you, um, every single person who has ever interacted with this human seems to think that he's the greatest person ever. And so that, that boosts him a little bit. But I'm going to bring to you American treasure Henry Winkler. Hey. Hey. What's funny to me about that is that is easily the stupidest thing that he's ever done. Like the Bonzi character is such a huge part of his pop cultural relevance and it doesn't matter to me at all. Like that would not, I, it's all the stuff that he's done since then that has made him um, so American treasury to me. But uh, but that's just me. I think he's in just based on his character on Arrested Development, if nothing else. But yeah, uh, yeah I want to hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> it's such a great bit. <laughs> um, I love Henry Winkler. You're right. It's like uh, there's this great um, there's this great uh, story that comedian tells about uh, if you if you want to get to the heart of Hollywood, you ask the makeup people like who are the nice people or not. And uh, and who's the worst? And the nice people, he says, they always say one of three people: Tom Hanks, which we all know, uh, uh, Ron Howard, mm-hmm. which is not surprising, and uh, and Henry Winkler. They're the three. They like get you. They buy you gifts after they like met you once, and they're just thoughtful mm-hmm. and friendly and everything. And then the the number one jerk that you you only hear one name when you ask biggest jerk, and that's Jeremy Piven, which is also <laughs> obvious. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, there's like legendary stories about what a kind. Uh, just human and decent human Henry Winkler, Henry Winkler is hard mm-hmm. to say his name for me. Uh, and he's oh yeah, he's really reinvented himself late career. I mean, he was kind of a heartthrob for a long time. We forget, right. and then it's kind of rebranded himself as like the daffy old guy. And uh, you know, or even he can play. He's got he's pretty versatile. I mean, he can play the kind of uh, daffy guy or the kind of you know the jerk in 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 Doctor uh, Saperstein's case. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, uh, he, but he's always, yeah, he's always a joy. He's one of those people you're always just, you're happy to see him. He's such a, uh, you know, he's kind of like the, he has as much goodwill, you know, as cinematically like th- that Dustin Hoffman has, like Henry Winkler has that television wise <laughs> and like sure. the goofy side of it. And it's like, you're always happy to see him and he always is going to give a good performance and, uh, he's lovely. So I, I absolutely second that. And, and the only thing I would say negatively is what took us so long. Kent, what would you have said? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who's my more iconic character in a leather jacket in the seventies? No, oh, totally. Is it yeah. is it uh, Henry Winkler as the Fonz or John Travolta as Vinnie Barbarino? I mean, <laughs> I need you, to know. First of all, how dare O'Brien you bring up John thoughts. Travolta in an American Treasure conversation? <laughs> how dare you? That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, man, the Fonz is extremely iconic. We yeah. we wouldn't have the phrase "jump the shark" without the Fonz, right? Yes. When he and, jumps and, the shark in, in his the leather illustration, jacket. illustration, <laughs> yes, of his most sense of humor about himself when Barry Zuckercorn on Arrested Development literally jumps over a shark at some point in Arrest. It's it's such a brilliant piece of, oh, there's a shark, and he just hops over it. Oh, this is one yeah. of the 
seriously one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And like I've cackle laugh when that happened the first time. Super self-aware and mm-hmm. super nice and honestly doesn't have to be that way because he is one of the most iconic characters ever on television. And he could just go retire and be rude to everybody and people would understand and be like, oh, well, you know, he was the, the fawn, so he can be act cool all the time and all that, you know? Um, yeah. But he's not like that. He seems to be the complete opposite of that, and that's awesome. So uh, he gets my vote, and hopefully awesome. maybe we can invite him on the show. If he's so willing to do things and meet people, <laughs> just make yourself a permanent guest. We would love that. So Henry Winkler, American Treasure, your uh, denim jacket is on the way. Yeah. Okay. It's got a leather lining, though, so you'll be comfortable. <laughs> I've got a couple of ways I can go with this. Um, do I want something relevant to tonight's episode? Do I want something more out of the box? Do I want something that I know y'all are going to like? This is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, okay. This is somebody who has is not 50 years old, but has been in the industry for over 25 years. This is somebody who we've come to know and love uh, while we've grown up. Uh, This person has crossed over many industries from film to television to Broadway to music, actually, as a matter of fact. And this is somebody who uh, maybe I I think the best is yet to come. I think the true recognition of this person's greatness is going to be in our uh, later uh, in our lives, and uh, I, I'm excited to see the work, uh, the real serious work from this person. Um, this person's made us laugh. This person's made us cry. I bring to you this evening the nominee, American Treasure, Jack Black. Oh, nice. Is he 25 years now? Yeah. Or 50? Is he 50? His first official credit that I couldn't tell wasn't just a walk-on role was 1992, so that makes it oh, exactly... Wow. 25 years. Cool. Since uh, Jack right. Black. He's 47 years old, so almost at the threshold for age. But uh, Jack Black, uh, what can I say about him? He's done almost everything in movies. Um, he's worked with almost everybody, the Peter Jacksons, the the Adam Sandlers, the, um, uh, you know, uh, the Steven Spielbergs, right? Uh, he's... Mm-hmm. Uh, written some of the funniest albums of all time. He's extremely talented musically. Like, if he, if he wanted to be in a band and just do that, he could have done that and been very successful at that. If he if he uh, if Tenacious D was his number one passion, I'm sure he could have made a very successful music career out of doing that. Comedy aside, just from the musical ability perspective, and uh, he brought a school of rock. Which I know uh, we're all big fans of that. You can't mention it. You can't mention it. Now Richard's going to cry. Crap. Sorry. Oh, man. It's going to be a rough episode now. Um, This is... (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The Legend of the Rent was way hardcore. (laughs) Uh, A great movie. But, I mean, aside from that, he did Bernie with Richard Linklater a couple years ago and was brilliant in that Gosh, and so good in that. Uh he's got J- Jumanji coming out with the rock here pretty soon. And like I said though, I think his best is yet to come. I think he's gonna hunker down and do some dramatic roles and really show off his range. Uh like he uh you know he's kind of been a one trick pony for a lot of a long time. But I don't think he's that kind of an actor. I think he really has legitimate skills and talent. 
And uh, I'm excited to see a director recognize that and put him in something more serious and where he can really show his chops. So American Treasure, Jack Black, and I can't really think of a more American actor than him, comedic actor, uh, while we've been growing up. Love him. Uh, What are your thoughts, Brian? Yeah, you know what's funny? Uh, This is a definite yes for me, no question. Um, I don't, I, I very, I don't know what it is. I don't really look forward to, like when I see Jack Black's name, on a, a movie poster or in a trailer or whatever, I don't, I don't really get all that excited. And I, I think that's just because I was very excited about him for a long time and kind of got let down by some of his early to mid 2000s work, I guess. And, but now I'm in a place Watch where, <laughs> besides the aforementioned School of Rock, obviously, uh, it's, <laughs> I'm at a place where, I'm not really looking forward to it. And then when he's awesome in it, then I'm pleasantly not necessarily surprised, but like, oh yeah, I forgot that I really like Jack Black. And when I like Jack Black the most is probably when he's in the support work, besides Bernie. Bernie's a masterpiece. He's so good in Bernie. Um, I like him in support work and I like him doing glorified cameos. He was really funny to me on Community. He was great on Documentary Now. Like that's such a funny bit and he's 100% just locked Jones. in on that. Uh, yeah, the drones bit was great. I love Tropic Thunder and everything that he does there. So it's, he, and you know, his tenacious D work is fantastic. So yeah, it's a definite yes for me. He's just an interesting, he occupies an interesting space for me where I, I don't know why necessarily it is, but I don't get super stoked about seeing him. But then once I do, and once I get, I watch what he's doing on screen, I'm usually, I usually come away pleased with what he's doing. So that's where I'm at. It's a yes for me. Richard, how about you? Yeah, I mean, he's he's great and uh in in one of those you're you're totally right. And I think has the um like you combining what both of you said, a lot more range than he's used for. Mm-hmm. Uh in and then he is used for one really good he is a great, great and I'm not discounting this because he's also a very good uh serious actor and comedic actor, but he's a great kids movie actor. Like he really uh Children love Jack Black. Like instantly. Goosebumps? Yeah. No. Goldvers Travels. Just, yeah. He could just do kids' movies and yeah. be the best be the goat, you know, at that. Um mm-hmm. and that's a skill. That's a bon- as Brian knows with a child himself, like that's a bona fide skill. Mm-hmm. Um and so not many people have that either. So so I think I always uh really admire his work there. And School of Rock is like one of the best kids' movies ever. And uh and adult movies is just the best. I mean, it's just the best. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, hundred percent stamp. I will. Uh, my notary stamp is in for repair. But when it when it's back, I will. I will officially uh, rubber stamp that down. Wow, I appreciate that. Did you did you know? Speaking of Gulliver's Travels, that uh, Emily Blunt had to. She was cast as Black Widow in the Marvel Avengers and everything, but had to drop out because she was committed to Gulliver's Travels. Oh, gosh. Like, she had signed a deal with, I don't know who it was, Warner Brothers Mm. or somebody, like an exclusive rights deal or first look deal where they bring you a movie, you know, they you have to do it, you know, for, I guess, you have four movies in your contract. So whatever four movies they decide that you're in, you have to do it. And that was one of the ones. And uh, she missed out on being Black Widow. And uh, that went to Scarlett Johansson, of course. But uh, now Emily Blunt um, is trying to work her way back in. 
to the series, but we shall see. I I had her up for Captain Marvel. I wanted her to be Captain Marvel, but Same. maybe yeah. maybe eventually. Um, yes, Jack Black, and he's also somebody who, like Henry Winkler, you always hear just great things about how nice and generous and kind he is for being how famous he is. So that's always good to hear. So there we have it: three nominees and three it's a fun inductees. Yeah. The, the after party, apartment. Yo-Yo Ma is going <laughs> to plug it into an amp this time, Yo-Yo. Yeah. Put, it, put the distortion to join on. Tenacious D. That is going to be great. Yo-Yo Ma has officially joined uh, Tenacious D. <laughs> That's pretty sick. All right. Well, let's uh, tell you how you can get a better smile before we talk Guardians of the Galaxy. How about that? Hey, guys. Kent here on behalf of Smile Direct Club. Smile Direct Club believes you shouldn't have to pay a fortune to get the smile you love. They straighten and brighten most smiles for 70% less than other aligners or braces. Many dental insurance plans reimburse customers for a portion of the cost of invisible aligners. And Smile Direct Club accepts FSAs. There are two ways to pay. Single pay is a single payment of $1,700 with the lab costs waived compared to other invisible aligner brands that cost up to $5,000 on average. Or take advantage of Smile Pay. It's $250 down, and then $99 a month for 17 months thereafter. No credit check required. You can get started with an at-home impression kit for only $95. It's covered by our smile guarantee. If the aligners aren't a good fit for you, you'll get your money back. With this offer, you'll save 50% on the impression kit. I just got my impression kit in the mail, and it couldn't have been easier. I mixed the putty right there in my kitchen, put it on the tray, created fast, easy impressions of my teeth, sent it back to Smile Direct, and now I'm on my way to a better smile. Stay tuned over the next couple weeks and months as I update you on my progress with Smile Direct Club. Our listeners can get 50% off of the impression kit by visiting SmileDirectClub.com and using promo code MAD at checkout. Please note, Smile Direct Club is unavailable in North Carolina. Again, that's SmileDirectClub.com, promo code MAD for 50% off the impression kit. I'm happy to be on my way to a better smile, thanks to Smile Direct Club. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. 
There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So I really want to break this down uh, as much as we can. Uh, We're going to start things off with general thoughts here on the show about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. But a little bit later, I want to talk some of the Easter eggs that were in the movie and references to past films and future films in the MCU, because we know this thing was chock full of that. But I just want to give some props here right off the top for general thoughts. James Gunn, man, you, I mean, what he's done in order to take what Guardians was as a comic series and just make it into just an absolute behemoth of a franchise and universe mm-hmm. is extremely impressive. And you got to hand it to him, man. He had the vision. He knew that this would work. I mean, this was a risky thing. If you, you were to say, yeah, well, this is kind of galactic heroes, but, you know, one of them is just this big guy who just basically grunts all the time. There's a green lady and then a tree and a raccoon. And that's it. And then a guy that no one really knows about, Chris Pratt, you know, like this kind of unknown up and comer. Uh, if you were any other studio, you would have said no all day long. You know, you would have said, well, take it to Netflix. Maybe they'll pull the trigger. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it seems like a very risky scenario right off the top. But lo and behold, he made it work. And Guardians of the Galaxy was one of the surprise hits of the summer. Came out in August of 2014 and uh, was kind of the most talked about movie of the summer. And uh, fast forward now, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I was nervous for this. I'm not going to lie. I was I was nervous for ruining a good thing. You know, uh, did, were they in over their heads by committing to a sequel before the first one even came out? Uh, that proved wrong. Uh, was this going to be an overstuffed typical sequel with very little character development, character building, and just crazy action scenes and a lot of funny one-liners thrown out uh, here and there? Somewhat. Okay. Uh, were we going to like the characters more after this? I believe yes. Was this going to lead us anywhere uh, ahead? Was this going to point to the future? This, did this make us anticipate another Guardians movie, or did it make us sick of the Guardians? Uh, that's debatable, too. But I think all in all, this was a great sequel. Did I like this movie better than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1? No. Uh do I like this movie a lot? Yes. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. different. Uh, Guardians 1 is just one of a kind. It's iconic. I mean, I, I can name 25 scenes off the top of my head that I love about that movie. Just uh, the anticipation I had for it was very vocal on the show. I, like I said, we talked about it, I think, our first episode ever. We anticipated it and uh, talked about uh, how much we wanted to to see it. But I don't think anything can replace the feeling that I had seeing Guardians for the first time in the movie and that come and get your love opening credit sequence with Star-Lord dancing and like the big text across the screen and everything, I was just, I was all in, you know? Like, I was like, wow, this really does work, you know? Like, I, I saw it and, I, and James Gunn proved it to me. My my thoughts of, wow, if they do this right, this could be huge, you know? He did it mm-hmm. right and he's 
created his own genre. I mean, who would have thought that science fiction would blend so well with 70s and 80s pop music? Like, it doesn't make sense. It should not make sense. But it's like right now, it's the only thing I can think of when I think of science fiction is like the quirky, fun, kind of bubblegum aspect of it. And he's really, his his tone, his vision for it is is flawless, really. Um, I think he didn't get it going over his head and try and get too much out of this movie. I think he played it safe in a lot of areas, and uh, I think that'll maybe prove worth it when Guardians Volume 3 comes out, which has been announced, and uh, he is at the helm of that too, James Gunn is. So, this movie reminded me of a lot of movies, it reminds me of one that we saw a couple weeks ago in in, uh, Fate of the Furious, and the Fast series, it reminds me of maybe the most applicable comparison would be, uh, not the Avengers 2, but Star Wars 2. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. I find it very similar to that in a lot of ways, and I'm excited to talk about it. But general thoughts, really, really, really enjoyed this movie. Again, did I like it as much as the first one? I don't think so, at least not on the first viewing. Um, But I love this movie, and I can't wait to watch it 500 more times in the future. And this is a great, great franchise that I'm very excited to talk about with you fellas here tonight. So, Brian, uh, general thoughts. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't think I quite like this as much as the first one, but I loved the first one. So the first one's my favorite Marvel movie in this whole cinematic universe thing that they're doing and is a movie that I rewatch uh, on the regular. That was in my top 10 that year. So, it's, you know, if it, to say that it's a slight downgrade from that is is fine. Second movies are the hardest. I've said that probably a dozen times on the show, but if you're in a trilogy or a franchise or whatever, your second movie is where... I think you are most likely to to slip up and have a mistake because you don't really have a beginning, you don't really have an ending. You know, you this is a little bit different in that it's not a um the story is not the same in the entire trilogy that they're telling at this point. Um you've got different villains and you're, you know, got a little bit different stakes in each one and and whatnot, but it is still it is it's a middle film and it's hard to do right. So I think um I thought the I thought the opening sequence, once we got past the the Kurt Russell, young Kurt Russell bit, which was strong because Kurt Russell's awesome, um, I thought that opening sequence where they're fighting the intergalactic space monster thing and then followed up with uh, the Sovereign, I thought that was rough. And I was nervous at that point. It felt forced. It felt like yeah. here we are trying to recapture the glory of uh, that the opening sequence of Guardians 1, which is so much fun and really set the tone for that whole movie. Um, Dancing Baby Groot was kind of a whip. And, and so I was nervous then. I, I, I was really hyped up going in. Once that sequence got moving, I was like, I don't know if this is going to turn out well. Once they crash land on the, the planet, which is like 10 minutes in the movie, I felt like it, everybody settled into their role and uh the whole thing kind of came together in that moment you know it's, uh there's a right after they crash uh their rocket and star lord are arguing and uh and chris pratt star lord calls rocket raccoon a, a trash panda and him and drax yeah. have this really funny interaction and i felt like from that moment on the movie had its footing and we were good to go which is that first 20 minutes where you're kind of it was a little bit shaky um, but you know, I think it went from there and then, and then Kurt Russell shows up for real. And I don't think there's ever been a movie that has been made worse by Kurt Russell showing up, you know, he's just so <laughs> cool. 
He was uh, almost so it, he was almost my nominee today for American Treasures. I think so. he is one. If he's not one, I, I really think I brought him up, and we need to check that out. If he's not one, then we need to rectify that immediately because he's I think we had Michael so Douglas. We might have confused that. I know Michael, Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna go look it up and if that that will be next month's nomination one hundred percent if he's not, because he's awesome and I love Kurt Russell and the coolness that oozes out of that guy is just unbelievable. Um but yeah, look he gets there and things start to settle in and we're off to the races. Um, there's some, I, I think this is a rockier movie than the first one is. There's definitely some pacing that we can talk about whether or not James Gunn did a great job with that part of what it means to be a director. But overall, I think once it found its footing, it's just, it's so much fun. This universe is just so much fun. And I'm, I like, I really like superhero movies that are not Batman v Superman or Suicide Squad or, any of that universe. And it's not just that I like Marvel movies. I like the, the X-Men movies. And if you want to, I'm totally good. I don't have um superhero movie over comic book movie overload. Like I don't care. I, I want to, I love these movies and I want to enjoy it. This universe in particular, this sort of this planet within the Marvel cinematic universe is so much fun. And it's, it is like a thrill ride, but I mean that in the best way possible. This movie to me, you you mentioned can't you mentioned Empire Strikes Back and Fast and Furious. To me, um, this movie is like the greatest Star Trek movie ever made, mixed with the best Firefly episode. Like it just has yeah, a good, different good. feel good to it that um that I think is missing from and I love the Marvel movies, but this is such its own thing. Um, and it's it's so enjoyable to watch. So like you can give me you can give me one of these things every two years, and I don't think I'm going to get tired of it. It's not quite the same as Star Wars, where I promise you, you can give as long as you continue to make them even like B minus movies. I will always be excited about a new Star Wars movie for the rest of my life. But this is this is up there with that because it's just, gosh, I I don't know. It's just more fun than most movies are these days it seems like and uh so anyway i had a blast with it there's definitely some some downs that we can go over but overall um i'm super impressed with with the way gun was able to to bring this all together and the way he was able to create um really this is doing kind of origin stories for three or four of these characters or at least backing up um the very little information we knew coming into mm-hmm. this movie and i love that i love the way that he was able to pull that off and i think that's part of the you know the pacing that he's got to figure out so um overall I re- i'm really impressed and i loved it a lot and i will be watching it a thousand times i'm sure um but richard i want to hear what you have to say yeah so when we did guardians a few years ago and i i i think brian you posted that episode this week or can't maybe that was you uh for people to go back and listen to the show was we were still young um Brian hadn't hit puberty yet. It was weird. It was different. Um, but it was it was fun. No, you know, I was Brian not hit as hot. puberty at thirty seven. By the way, finally, <laughs> finally happened. No. It's here, guys. <laughs> Go ahead. Yay! Sorry. See, you, see you in three years. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, he just throws all of his action figures away. <laughs> what have I done? What are these? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I wasn't as high on the original Guardians as you guys. I like it mm-hmm. a lot, um, but I didn't like love it. I don't think it was in my top ten of the year or anything. Um, and uh, but I, 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 it's it's a really cool, great franchise. Um, that's and I love Chris Pratt and I like so much about it. I felt the exact same way about this one. Um, it, I really, really thought it was fun and good, and I get the appeal. 
but it leaves me kind of a little cold in it. I find it a little cute uh, at times and precious mm-hmm. and knowing and kind of winky sometimes, which is fine. I'm not really even against these things, uh, and I I'll, I will probably give this a grade that starts with an ah, so don't think I'm hating on it, but it's not ever going to be like an A++ for me. Um, but I think the thing that's to note uh, that you really see in this, in this, and you, I, I think you'll see in the coming years of the sort of transition of Marvel from a Joss Whedon themed thing to a James Gunn themed world, and uh, it becomes tonally more this way. Obviously, with this movie, but I think you'll see as we introduce uh, these characters, kind of in the MCU at, uh, at large, um, that this tone is so winning and so crowd pleasing. Um, that it kind of will infest uh, the rest of Marvel, which is fine, but it makes Marvel even sort of lighter, um, even more kind of referential and knowing. Uh, but, you know, kick butt soundtrack, maybe in a Thor movie or something. Right. So I don't know. But we talked about that with the Thor trailer. Like this felt, you know, you could see the influences of Guardian in the Thor, you know, regonk, <laughs> uh, for lack of <laughs> yeah. a better word, <laughs> uh, uh, trailer. So, um, I think that's definitely happening. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's like it's it's noticeable. Um, it becomes even more pop um, in yeah. a way. So mm-hmm. it's colorful, yeah. a little yeah. more more a uh, little more pink and green and blue, and less you know earth tones. I totally see what you're what you're saying. I, I look at it like this, Richard. I, I see James Gunn as the cosmic head of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like anything that has to do with outer space. Uh, galactic things, Thanos, uh, the multiverse, uh, the Asgardians, that whole aspect of Marvel, which is the Thors, the Doctor Strange, the Guardians of the Galaxy side of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I see that as James Gunn. He's the creative genius behind all that, right? But I do see Joss Whedon and maybe the Kenneth Branagh's, anything that happens on Earth, right, is uh, the Ant-Mans, the Thors, the Hulks, the Iron Mans. Uh, I see that kind of John Favreau slash Joss Whedon, their kind of creative uh, influence, or maybe them at being executive producers on a lot of those projects had to do with that. But uh, when those two meet is what I'm very curious about. In Infinity War, when when, when mm-hmm. the cosmic meets the the Earth for the first time, and and uh, what what is it going to be like when we see Rocket with Iron Man? I'm sure it's going to be cool, but it's just going to be it's going to be different. It's going to be very, I do, I definitely disassociate those. It, it feels a little bit like X-Men at this point, you know, like I, I, I see it as a, a Marvel property like I do X-Men, but I just don't, I just can't imagine them in my, in my mind crossing over in a very mm-hmm. natural way. If, if Magneto, Fastbender's yeah. Magneto and, and James McAvoy were in the next Avengers, I would be like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, and it works, but it's just still kind of weird. I, I totally don't see them. I, I, yeah. I, I see Spider-Man in, in the MCU, and I always have. You know, And I always thought it was weird that they were doing movies at Sony for so long with Andrew Garfield and things. Um, but that, that's less weird for me than seeing this crossover. So that's what I'm curious about, how they're going to make that work. Yeah, I'm with you, Cam. I mean, the, the writing's I mean, it's over. We've lost this fight, but I... I would have really enjoyed to not have Guardians of the Galaxy crossover. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. them. I really like them on their own, and I don't. I don't need them in Avengers. And, and I know it's it's over. That ship has sailed. There's nothing I can do about it. And I'm sure it'll be fine because I trust the Russos and I like everything that's happening in Avengers. But 
this yeah. could have existed on its own, and I would have been thrilled with that. Yeah. Yeah, the Russos have done great work, too, with Captain America. I gotta say, Captain mm-hmm. America has been the character that no one saw coming, you know, kind of a thing. It, uh, yeah, totally. It, it, it's, it's, he's the head of the Avengers now to me, Cap, you know? Uh, in, it used to be Iron Man. The, the well, Hawkeye, torch. but yeah, I, I guess <laughs> it's fine. Right. Uh, when he's not renoing his kitchen now. <laughs> Scarlet Witch, but okay. But that does, you know, we, ta- we mentioned, I think we mentioned this before, but Hawkeye working on his kitchen in his cabin uh, mm-hmm. does lend itself, and you can kind of see the writing on the wall for a Property Brothers MCU crossover. I mean, that's just <laughs> out there. Finally. <laughs> They're going to keep they just bringing do magic Hawkeye the whole back, time. I guess. Hawkeye <laughs> is a permanent part of the MCU at this point. <laughs> Brian, Are they going to kill off any of these characters? Would you rather Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye in, the, in Infinity War or both scott brothers as themselves oh, as both like, scott brothers <laughs> totally like i like For jerry Renner, i like hawkeye but i i need to see them try to do terrible magic tricks and iron man's like what what's happening right now like that that's my dream really yeah you Pretty need a little bit of help furnishing stark tower we're here to help <laughs> let's see what we can do that'd be great they walk him through that like 3d rendering like the really <laughs> crappy one you know like Yes, Tony Stark has this crazy, you know, modded he's, out. He's worth eighteen billion dollars. <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, we're we gonna save here? you a little money with this pier." And <laughs> wow, what a tangent! What a tangent! Okay, I'm just always top of mind here. Yeah, I I agree. Did you have any other general thoughts, Richard? Uh, other than no, I think we went on no, a tangent there. We, okay, we can continue the converse. We can join the conversation. Let's do it. Um, I'm gonna say. Right here off the top, I mean, I mean, off the top, we're 20 minutes into this review. <laughs> um, Baby Groot worked probably uh, 48% of the time with me. <laughs> and the other times, I was just like, when are we going to get regular Groot back? Like, I get, I get that it's cute, but there was just too sure. much, to your point, Richard, a little too much cute with Baby Groot uh, mm-hmm. to me in the, in the movie. Yeah. And when... Groot- Groot they, greater than Baby Groot, my opinion. Oh yeah, I, I think as a character works better. I I would have thought it would be a fun novelty to have first half of the movie, maybe do the opening sequence, Brian, and and do that and have get it out of the way, and then halfway into the movie we get adolescent Groot. I would have I wouldn't have minded adolescent Groot that whole bit with Chris Pratt as kind of the father figure mm-hmm. uh, thing worked into the movie. Uh, yeah, maybe I would have wanted to see that, and then maybe towards the end of the movie. We get regular group back, but apparently, you know, this movie is set in 2014. I think it's set just a couple of months after mm-hmm. the original Guardians. So, right. if Infinity War is set in 2018, which is uh, the year it comes out, that means everyone will be older significantly, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll get giant group in Infinity War, the comic version with all the branches coming out and everything, the less trimmed down. Groot, maybe the the mid twenties Groot that we got in the first Guardians movie. Yeah, yeah, I would say, and I I think at this point we should say we're in spoilers. So if you haven't seen, because we don't want to, this is such a fun spoiler movie alert for Guardians for you. Yeah. So I I'm with you guys. And I, Richard and I were talking about Baby Groot earlier. Baby Groot annoyed me. I, I thought he was just a little too precious up until the scene, the sequence when Yondu and Rocket are in a jail cell and he he's bringing stuff to them. Yeah. killed me and at, at that point i was like okay now i have come around on on baby Groot, and and two to be fair he he started to become a little more useful at that point too like he, he does play an important role at the end 
with the bomb and whatnot. And that was kind of the turning point for him as a character, because up to that point, he had done nothing but be cute. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally on board for your thesis, Richard. Groot over baby Groot all day long. But that sequence in the jail killed me. And I was, I was just rolling. Reminded me partly, of, of the yeah. sequence and they're breaking out of the jail in uh, the first yes. Guardians. Yep. Yeah, and that, exactly what, yeah, when he, when he brings out the eye, I mean, there have probably not been five times in my life that I have laughed harder in a movie than the first Guardians when, uh, when Rocket tells, <laughs> tells uh, Peter to get the leg and then just yeah. dies <laughs> when he does come back and like, like, that's seriously, that's one of the funniest oh, things yeah. that I've ever seen in a movie. And so that. That brought back that, and then the toe after that, and whatnot. I thought that was a really funny sequence, and from that point on, I was I was okay with Baby Groot. That said, I don't want any more Baby Groot. We can we can officially move on, I think, to to uh, adolescent emo Groot, and then back to adult Groot. She's got the Tobey Maguire. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. The uh, I will say to you, the other thing that that Baby Groot served to to provide is an opportunity for Rocket to be not dependent on Groot. Because I think in the first movie, most of what Rocket does is run his mouth and then tag team with Groot, which is really cool and a lot of fun to watch. But the sequence when he just wrecked shop on the Ravagers crew was a lot of fun and kind of gives you a taste of like, oh, this guy is actually a really awesome warrior, not just uh, a wisecracking trash panda. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too. Uh they're the Enzo and Cass of the movie, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the Rocket and Groot are Enzo. Richard knows what I'm saying. Uh, That's right. Enzo can fight too, guys. Enzo can fight too. Uh, I think that was kind of genius, though. Um, and you the way- can't beat <laughs> te- that. You can't. That. Oh, can't teach that. Can't That's teach that. Can't te- you can't beat that either. Apparently. Yeah. There. <laughs> there was uh, a time when I didn't know if. Uh, who was going to be the lead in the movie, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's so many different ways you could have gone with the movie, and I think uh, they gave they gave Gamora a lot more sp- screen time in the movie, along with yep. Nebula, who I was in my head just kind of like, if we never see Nebula again, that's fine. You know, uh, if they bring her back, great. Never thought she would be uh, where she was and that we would get the kind of emotion we would get out of Gamora and Nebula's relationship. So we get that, and... Uh, Star Lord, of course, is going to have the main storyline, and his family lineage is the main storyline with him. But uh, I thought, you know, there are other characters that could carry more of the movie. Uh, Drax got a lot more time with Mantis, yeah. albeit a new Guardian, but still, Drax got a lot more. Uh, you got to know him, his past a little bit. He gets emotional with that, but he also provides the comic relief you would expect from Drax, and. Uh, we get a lot of Baby Groot and a lot of Rocket in the movie. So the, somehow they've managed not mm-hmm. only to give us, uh, you know, have us character building moments for each character, but they've given us enough screen time for each character too. And uh, I, I think that's kind of a smart choice. You know, it, it, it's it, you see each character just enough to where you're not getting annoyed with every character. You know, uh, yeah, I. I wanted more Rocket in the movie, but Rocket's my favorite character, but I can see that if you made this Rocket's movie, that people would get annoyed with Rocket, and he wouldn't be as fun anymore. You know, it's like, it, the, the sure. more you bring it on screen, the more chance you have of it getting old, and the bit just not being funny anymore. So you do kind of want to limit those times, but Rocket and Groot were the breakout stars of these movies, 
And for them not to just concentrate the movie around them, so to speak, uh, says a lot about James Gunn and his confidence and everything. But man, I think the Star-Lord stuff with Kurt Russell and Ego worked really well. And I'm a little surprised James Gunn went as complicated as he did with the Ego storyline because it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the consciousness and everything and uh, the consciousness finding, uh, you know, physical forms and different physical forms and being able to adapt. And it's just like, well, is it your dad or not? You know, just tell me, you know, it, it was a very complicated thing, but I, I think ambitious is the word I'm looking for. It was very ambitious mm-hmm. for him yeah. to go that route with that. It could have, you could have made it a very, make it, make Yondu the villain or something, you know, uh, and Yondu gets a lot, a lot of time in this movie and that's good too. But where did Yondu you, Mahimi, where did you, <laughs> Yondu Mahimi, where did, <laughs> where did you fall Brian on the stuff that's, outside of the Guardians of the Galaxy that we know, all the ex- external characters and villains and things like that. How did this movie do in that regard? Yeah, like it's a, I think it, it it's both, I can see both sides of it. Okay, like it, um, I love Kurt, I love Kurt Russell and I, I enjoyed, I thought the- The young the Kurt Russell did, looked really good. I'll say that. Dude, That's the best I'll it's t- ever hey, looked. It's, with the, it's the because it's practical. Thing. It's practical. Like they, I read today. What they? It's it's. Oh, they almost, took it off other movies or something. Kurt, no. Kurt Russell t- said, "I've been using." I'm I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he 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 quoted as saying, "I've been using the same makeup guy for thirty years, and he's great, and this is what he does." And so they he said ninety no percent of that. Ninety percent of it is is makeup, and then they just kind of. I'm I'm guessing they, they kind of brushed lines. it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is Man, incredible. If that is that's incre- that is incredible, but yeah, the, they they tried it on Jeff Bridges for Tron Legacy to oh, make him gosh. look like he was in the eighties, so and it yeah. it didn't work. Uh, no, and they they tried creepy. it with Carrie Fisher for Rogue One, and it was close, but it still wasn't it. And this, if it was CG, was that's this was the best they've ever done with yeah. making somebody look younger. Yeah, but wow. it was incredible. That is no, that like, is great. I, I think the movie. The depth of the movie that I was not expecting is the uh, the emotion of it and the um, the affectation of that of like you know this the whole father son bit, but it's not just him and it's not just Star Lord and Ego. It's it's Star Lord and Yondu and and the relationship even between Yondu and and Rocket and then Rocket and Groot and yep. on down the list. So I'm super impressed with how Gunn was able to uh, bring character development and relationship development as well as our as the audience our relationship developed our relationship with these characters that's something that doesn't happen in um, big blockbuster movies like this you typically have um, an attachment to one or maybe two characters or your one or two main leads and then you're going to get these you know black widow talking about not being able to have children or things like that throughout they get kind of thrown in as an aside to like try to make those characters more human. And we all understand that. Like we understand that's part of how it works because you only have two hours and maybe 15 minutes to work this into a movie. We can't focus on all these characters, blah, 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 blah. Well, this does it. I mean, he, they, they hit the mark, I think over and over again on all of these little points that give you a deeper understanding for the characters, for the relationships with each other. And then our relationships with them. I love it. The, the side effect of that, I think, for me, is um, I think Star-Lord is kind of left out of the development cycle. His relationship stuff with 
ego is there and you can draw back a little bit towards his relationship with uh, with his mom. And then towards the end, we get relationship with Yondu, which was great. I thought that was, to me, that was the most affecting part of the whole movie from an emotional standpoint. It worked really Who's well. Whose relationship with Yondu? Uh, Star-Lord. Okay. And Yondu. Yeah. The, yeah. the whole like kind of su- surrogate father thing. And I'm a total sucker for that sort of trope. And, uh, you know, I, I will always go for that. If you want to put that in a movie, I'm, I'm, I'm in. But um, in I think it was done. Yeah, I think it was. Sure. I think it was done very effectively here. But the first two acts, I'm the biggest Chris Pratt fan in the world. Richard and I fight about it all the time. Who's a bigger Chris Pratt fan? And I, I don't prefer think... fat Chris Pratt. But yeah, I like <laughs> sure. Chris Pratt. Um, I don't think that he I, I don't think he was given a lot to do. It felt like to me for two acts we're kind of in in the trying to build up all these other characters. We basically made Star Lord yeah. sit around and be kind of a grumpy teenager for an hour and then we start to go into his character from there so for for a while for me he was he was a little bit uneven and but i just think that's the side effect of we only have uh two hours to squeeze all of these relationship aspects into this and try to make this these characters deeper and as a result you know gamora's i think a lot better in this movie than she was in in guardian the first volume um and drax the, the development on him was fantastic i Guys, I, I watch my kids really into volume one. And so we rewatch the movie fairly frequently. And I love Bautista in that movie. And I love Drax. But I always think every time we watch Guardians, I think, man, if this movie was made two years later, John Cena is totally playing Drax. And that would yeah. be so much better. And then I watch this volume two and I'm like, no, he, Bautista no, he, is perfect for this. Ba- He's Bautista has great it. timing. He, he really does. does. It's, yeah. it's amazing. And I'm, I'm, always surprised by that for some reason but gosh he was he was hilarious so like i think you get all these extra characters that are being brought in and all the relationships that are being developed i think there there has to be a cost somewhere and for this time around it's that star lord is kind of just made to sit around for an hour before you before you get into it and i will say too can't i i'm kind of, i'm done with can we be done with nebula like i i understand why she's yeah. there there were some. It was better this time around, as far as the, I guess, again, the relationship sort of stuff. But she's the bridge to she, Thanos at this point. It, that's exactly that's, it. That's she why is, she's in the she movie. She is this group's vision. It's we have to have, we have to have vision because we need vision to fight Thanos whenever we eventually get to Thanos. But vision is a beating in the Avengers movies, and it just it doesn't fit. Nebula's not quite that bad, um, but like if there's another Guardians for some reason, if there's another Guardians movie in which they are not actively fighting Thanos, then you have to, to me, you have to write Nebula out as like, she's off pursuing Thanos somewhere. Cause I just, she doesn't, it's not Karen Gillan's fault. I love her. She's great. She, she doesn't do anything in the movie. There's nothing for her to do. Once you get through all these other characters. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Uh, man, this, this did remind me of the fast and furious, just the, Never turn your back on family aspect of it. And I was wondering why it felt tonally like, other than the family aspect, why tonally does this feel like the Fast series? And I figured it out. Fred Raskin, the editor, edits all the Fast movies. So it had the same Hmm. editing style as those movies, like subliminal, you know, totally subconsciously. I was like, why does this feel like Fast? Like, I was just sitting in the theater thinking... Maybe it's because I had seen Fast like so recently and rewatched all those, but I just felt like that's what what this is. It's just a galactic 
fun version of that with just the crazy personalities and the way they the camera cuts back and forth between the one-liners and everything is great. Um, this movie, speaking of risk taken by gun, very inappropriate for a Avengers style movie, Disney with Disney's name on it, you know, a lot of uh adult more adult material i would think you would mm-hmm. think think a little harder about letting your three-year-old four-year-old watch this movie right. before you would the first one not to say that that's a bad choice creatively you can watch death wish first and then that way <laughs> when you come down it's not bad but it, this this movie simultaneously made the Avenger, i mean the avengers and uh, the guardians more lighthearted and also more adult at the same time which is a uh, it's it's a different choice, like the whole contraxia stuff and the prostitutes scenes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more language this time around, and I'll be at the funniest moment of the movie for me was when Drax is like dry heaving and says, "I'm just imagining what it would be like to physically <laughs> be with you." To Mantis it was so funny, mm-hmm. um, but not really an, an appropriate joke for your kid to be walking around uh, talking about. I I mean. Uh, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. So it is, it does have that kind of going against it. But, uh, I mean, this, it just makes you wonder what this could have been like if they just went all in Deadpool style, you know, and mm-hmm. made this rated R and rockets dropping F bombs and all that. Like how much funnier or more successful would this be? I don't know. Is, is this going to lose a little bit of the, um, kid appeal next time around? Are parents going to be more hesitant to take them to see volume three because of where this was kind of heading? You know, it is kind of heading in that direction. So, that's a risk. I'm surprised that they that Disney saw this and was like, "Yep, we're good." I mean, this is a great movie. Maybe this because they all just loved it. But mm-hmm. I would have thought they would have been more restrained in in uh in some of that. But uh, but it wasn't. Yeah, I think you can push the envelope a little bit with this group because it was a little edgier last time too. Not uh not to this extent. Like I was glad I didn't take Coop to see it less because of the I don't know the language and the innuendo because he doesn't get that stuff. But the you know, some of the visuals were, were James Gunny, right? Like they were a little right. creepier and uh, a little harder, but I think you can pull that off. I would be surprised if they did that. If even with the guardians, if the guardians were this edgy come, uh, whatever infinity war, whatever it's called, I, I think you probably get a little bit toned down once you get more into Avengers world, but that's, you know, that's a guess. Could be wrong. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of the, uh, uh, effects and things. The effect of Ego's planet apparently mm-hmm. is the biggest visual effect ever. There's oh. more than a trillion individual components to the actual CG image. So well, did they did they t- did they count um, the number of times that a card was flipped? In now you see me too. Right. That that seemed like a bigger scene. To me. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> more than just, a trillion times. Kind of did. There's a lot of work there. The camera spun spun around at least a half of a half a trillion. <laughs> so I'll give you credit for that. Oh uh, wow! Uh, what do we think of uh, the soundtrack this time around? I gotta say, I love the Fleetwood Mac. Love yes. Fleetwood Mac, but uh, I like the song that they chose. But mm. I would have thought they would have waited for the bridge because the bridge is the most. Uh, mm, like I, I think they fire. wrote the bridge of that song of the chain first. And they based the whole song around the bridge. Like, okay, we got to write mm-hmm. something to get to the bridge, you know? And, uh, it's, I just imagine the third act of this movie, bringing that song back with the bridge, like going super loud in the theater 
with like ships flying around and rocket like screaming and blasting people. I would have thought that would have made for an awesome moment in the movie, not only to bring back the kind of theme song of the movie, but like the coolest part of the song, like the guitar solo ripping through space kind of part, yeah. uh, didn't happen. I'm gonna. I yeah. would ask James Gunn that to his face. Why did you not put the bridge part in the song? It's it's what everybody knows the song for. Uh, yeah. But I thought uh, they worked the theme of the movie uh, around the lyrics of the chain pretty well too. Uh, yeah. Never break the chain and. Uh, it's about love and losing love and family and otherwise, you know? So I thought that was cool, but that's the only real mm-hmm. stick out moment song to me other yeah. than the opening credits with the LO was cool, but I don't, I didn't have those moments in the other, uh, like I did in the other mm-hmm. guardians movie of, I got to go find that song or I got to download that song or, Oh my gosh, I used to love that song. Like, like I did with this one. Um, mm-hmm. Soundtrack was better with the first one, I must admit. Yeah, a little let down. And, and I, I didn't it, look at it any of it beforehand. I was like, I want to know yeah. none of what's going to be in the movie. And there was like two or three that I was like, cool, but that was it, you know? Yeah, I would agree. I think the music cues were lesser in this versus volume. And the score, one, too. The score, too. But The Chain, that's such a such a jam. That's my all-time favorite Fleetwood Mac song by, by a mile. And uh, Oh, wow. I thought they used it quite well. They, they, I thought they used it to effect and coming back to it in the you know the final confrontation was pretty awesome. Yep, I think so too. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about Yondu mm-hmm. because I think Yondu really brought the movie together. Yeah, and like you said, surprisingly, not only yeah, with Star Lord and uh, Star Lord and Ego and that whole plot line, but uh, with the other Guardians too. And I, man, I am a sucker for the. Uh, surrogate father stuff but that's yeah. a really cool cool way to go about it was that yondu kind of protected uh star lord from his own father you know because he knew and i got we are in spoilers by the way hardcore <laughs> spoilers but man i did not see the twist coming of ego and star lord like how ego yeah. killed the mom i did not expect that at all when it happened like i think even in the movie it goes to like like slow-mo like him realizing the moment you know and then uh i think it goes to shooting him or killing him or whatever but it um i didn't see that coming at all and very Mm -hmm. effective very good and i think chris pratt before the movie had said i when i read the script i was i was crying i was bawling i was like why would you cry in a guardians movie but apparently his dad had died or something like that or he had to yeah it was it was his dad dad had passed and so this kind of helped him cope with that or it brought that to light really hardcore for him when uh, what that scene came about. And man, mm-hmm. that worked on me. And I was wondering, because the first Guardians ends so well. It ends on such a high note, you know, it wraps everything in into a tight bow and then they got the Jackson Fives playing in the background. And you're just like, man, this is awesome. I was like, how is this movie going to top the ending, you know? Mm-hmm. But with all that we learn about the characters and, and everything, I really think it ends not on a light note, because it ends on a sad note, but just on a really great note, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think James Gunn knows how to end, end a movie, from what True. I've, been, what I've uh, said. Anybody have any, anything else big, Richard, maybe that stuck out to you with the movie? But I want to get into these Easter eggs, but I want to get as many yeah, general, no, just yeah. cool I mean, thoughts I'll give in. one more thought. I'll, I'll talk on the music yeah. a little bit. You know, I, this one... The music felt, and there's no way around this because it, it's no longer an original thing, right? When it's a sequel, but um, 
I thought the music was a little winky, even more winky this time. And like, um, there's a really good article on this in the Washington Post, so it's not an original thought, but like, it kind of does a lot of the comedic work for the movie, and it's happening outside the movie. Some of the music cues, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's a little too meta for me in a superhero movie. I kind of like, why don't you earn your laughs or th- thoughts differently instead of this music coming on? That I don't know. But it's like fine. not That's, not all the songs were on Awesome Mix Volume Two or whatever. I right. was just said it was just like other novelty music. I, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed to lazy is not the right word because this isn't like an immaculately made movie. But those choices are a little like okay. in the first one they were so organic to it. Yeah, they I felt agree. less so this time. But mm-hmm. that's also just sequelitis. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. So, so I. But that's that's one piece on that. Yeah, yeah, I would right. agree with that. I would agree with that too. Um. Okay. Yeah. Look, I I think the the my major complaint with the movie to me would be I thought the and I'm I'm curious to see if you guys agree that I thought the pacing was not great and that's typically something that we hang that we lay at the feet of the director and kind of say look this is one of your most important jobs is to, is to pace correctly and there's some second act sort of issues where it kind of it not necessarily a lull but you are jumping from place to place scene to scene and it does start to get a little a little old in the wrong at the wrong times but at the same time coming that's how i felt coming out and then within an hour and then a day later and then two days later i started to feel like yeah look the pacing is not great and there are some issues there but i also felt like i felt like he used those scene changes and the shifts and the back and forth between the character groups and whatnot extremely effectively to kind of build up the more story element, the bigger story elements of the movie. And so like, I don't know, I, I, I've been going back and forth on whether or not that's a, whether I should, whether I should hold the pacing problems against gun, or if that's just kind of the nature of we're trying to accomplish quite a bit here in a two hour movie. I don't know if you guys have any, either of y'all have any thoughts on, on that. I'm not, I'm yeah. honestly not sure how I feel uh, or how I should feel on that. I think you're right on. I think, uh, I mean, we can all interpret things how we want to, but I think you, you did that just fine. Uh, man, there is, there's so many ways I can go with this, but I want to talk about these Easter eggs, but, um, I, I want to just say that I'm excited for volume three, maybe more than I was even for volume (laughs) two, you know, to come out. Um, I think the best is yet to come. This is such a bridge movie. Much like Empire. Uh, and this reminded me of Empire because there's a scene very similar to like the asteroid sequence in Empire where, mm. you know, they're like, never tell me the odds kind of a moment. Uh, the characters split up and we each see them kind of doing their own thing. We're cutting back to different scenes. They're rarely together in the movie uh, as the actual ensemble. I, I really liked when they left the rocket, uh, you know, on the ground to uh to repair the ship and then they were you know flying back between characters i like that uh by the way sean gunn who mm. plays uh craglin in the movie the guy the guy who kind of takes over for yondu uh and uh he is actually rocket the mocap performer for rocket and the brother of james gunn so cool to see james gunn give his brother kind of a bigger role, but maybe to say thank you for being Rocket so unselfishly 
when they do the Bradley Cooper thing, who gets all the credit for Rocket. Uh, he's done a great job as uh, doing that too. But because uh, so the characters split up too, and much like Empire, we have a a fatherly revelation in the movie with the main protagonist character too. So three kind of big tropes uh, that make it similar to Guardians, and not a lot happens. Let's be honest, not a lot. Uh, happens with anything important. Like, are there any stakes in these movies, Brian, Richard? Uh, did you ever fear that, oh man, Rocket might not make it out of this thing? You know, I, I really don't feel like there are stakes with the actual Guardian characters. Uh, maybe like I do with the Avengers. Like, I think an Avenger could go at any time, and I wouldn't be that surprised about it. But I would be genuinely shocked if we lost a Guardian. Uh, so, is that a problem? it's not for me because I don't, you know, I I guess we've just seen so many stinking movies at this point that the idea, I, I want stakes in a movie. I don't necessarily need it as long as I am having a ton of fun. You know, if we get into five of these movies and they're still, all of them are still here and we've never really come close to any sort of impending doom or anything like that, then maybe that starts to change. But I just, I don't know, man. These occupy such a different space to me because they are just, they're so much fun and I enjoy watching the movies and I, I enjoy watching them over and over and over again so much so that I, I don't know, like I don't care, I guess, about whether or not I really ever fear that somebody's going to die. And, and truthfully too, I mean, Groot died in the first movie and that's, Kinda, it's, yeah. it's a cheat, you know, it's a cheat and it, it's a, it's kind of a cop out, but it, it was, that was a, affecting moment I mean, that really worked pretty well and at the time we we certainly didn't know that he was going to come back as baby Groot and future Tommy McGuire Groot and so um you know I, I I don't I don't know like maybe like I said maybe down the line that changes but for me at the moment I think one of the best things about the this movie in particular is that the yes the the plot or the, excuse me, the conflict ends in a, the world is going to be destroyed if our heroes don't save it, but it's done, it's done in such kind of a micro way that that doesn't become the overload that most of these movies get to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it, it, most Marvel movies at this point, we know at the end, it's not just Marvel, it's, it's all of these movies. We know at the end, there's going to be some big confrontation and the fate of the world is going to hang in the balance. And that happens again here, but it's done from, because you're so into the uh, the fight between Star-Lord and his dad, that you kind of don't even notice that. And it, it's, it's almost as an aside that like, hey, by the way, if they don't win, then literally the entire galaxy is going to die. So that's pretty high stakes. We got to yeah. do something about that. Um, but it's, it, I don't know. John, James Gunn just really gets, I think, how to tell these stories to where it doesn't, I don't know, you don't feel, to me at least, I don't feel the same, oh man, here we go again with this, as I do typically with these movies. Yeah. Man, it's, uh, again, it's, it's, uh, it's credit to him. You know, it's credit to the person at the helm. But, man, the trailer really, really kind of, I really wish I would have seen this movie had not even seen the trailer because I think the scene with baby Groot and the whole button thing with rocket mm -hmm. sure. and the rocket back and forth with star Lord about tape, uh, 
Nobody has tape. I think that would have killed had nobody seen it in the trailer. That whole sequence. And also the Bautista scene with uh, uh, the reading the minds thing with Mantis yeah. would have done a lot better too if uh, it hadn't been in the trailer. But I do understand because this thing made $150 million right. opening weekend. So I understand the, yeah, if we put it in the trailer, it's going to make only going to make everyone want to see it, you know? But uh, man, I wish they would have sacrificed one of those two. Preferably the tape stuff because sure. uh, just like it, it's very similar to the scene, like you said, uh, get the leg and all that uh, from the first movie. But uh, man, I would have would have loved to have seen the movie with one of those scenes, sight unseen. Um, okay. So uh, one more thing I want to say before the Easter eggs is uh, I love the way Yondu, the, how that just kind of plays out at the end and him sacrificing himself spoiler alert for the good <laughs> of everybody and when mm. they spread the ashes into space and everybody comes and pays tribute to him it's a yeah. very touching uh moment and it gives you that emotion that you would want from these types of mm -hmm. movies the whole ending does yeah, uh beautiful and uh, the movie ending on rocket literally crying is was a bold choice too i thought there were mm -hmm. people in the theater that said that's it like I heard those like audibly in the theater when that happened, but I mean they have five post credit scenes or whatever, but still to end the movie with just Rocket crying, looking out into space was very poignant, beautiful. Sure. Okay. Uh some of the Easter eggs here. We saw Howard the Duck, right? Everyone saw Howard the Duck mm -hmm. in the movie. Maybe not a bigger role than we thought. Uh Stallone, guys. Yeah. American Treasure. American Treasure Sly. Mm -hmm. Thought he would have a bigger role, but it was kind of cool to see him mm -hmm. uh, in this universe, and he fit really well. Up, though. I mean, Yondu was pretty small in part one. I could yeah, he'll be a bigger player. And, guys, he's in the same movie as Diesel. We're getting closer and closer. <laughs> to him being Vin's dad? Yeah, he's got to be Vin's dad. Come on. It has to happen. Hey, Vin. Dump. Yeah. Come yeah. on out. Dumb. We got some yeah. barbecues out here. <laughs> Come to yeah, South come Philly. I know right. I abandoned you, but, uh, you know, that guy over there killed your Asian friend. So, I mean. <laughs> you let him back in. You let uh, him back in. So, we in or what? By the way, baby. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, baby Groot says, I am Groot 13 times in the movie. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's only. I would have thought it would have been more. Maybe mm -hmm. that's why. Maybe they didn't use. Maybe they didn't use Baby Groot enough. Maybe that's why I didn't like it. <laughs> as much they didn't use it right they they don't, weren't effective with the i am groots wow uh so he was starhawk stallone who yeah. was an original guardian which is cool mm -hmm. they had kind of had the original guardians there by the way mainframe was voiced by guess who richard you cannot uh, you'll never guess so i'm not gonna play this yeah My, miley john cyrus Lith john lithgow no oh, close gosh. miley cyrus very close very same close. thing right there yeah okay. Basically, I do love Kent and I are early Miley adopters. We've been team Miley since pretty much. Miley's before, back, so. by the way, guys. Miley's the best. Just look out. Here comes Miley. Um, Stan Lee. We need to mention Stan. This is a very interesting Stan Lee movie mm -hmm. because we see him in kind of this, you know, flyby cameo like we see him in all the Marvel movies. By the way, when they're flying through like the 700 portals and their faces are all going crazy, you know, and they're flying around. Mm -hmm. Through the different uh, 
dimensions, I guess. Wow, that was funny too. Needed to point that out. Uh, but they fly by Stan Lee, and he's with the Watchers, who are Watchers. I mean, they they observe everything that goes on and happens in the MCU, and I guess they're the all being all knowing uh, people. But the interesting theory that's come out of this movie, and James Gunn is kind of, you know, he's been at the forefront of the rumors. And he hasn't denied them. Is that in actuality, yeah, we've seen Stan Lee in all these movies, all the Marvel movies. He's made a cameo in every single one, including Big Hero 6 and the animated movie and things like that. Uh, what if he is actually playing the same character in every single version? And he's actually been, you know, uh, reporting back to the Watchers this whole time, the goings-ons of the MCU. Like, that's been his role. Everyone thought it was just walk-on cameos, like, oh, he's a librarian. But what if he was actually a Watcher this whole time? Mind-blowing, <laughs> I know. But uh, that is has only been reinforced by this movie, the post credit scene in the movie, and everything with Stan Lee. And question here, and even more of a meta scenario, did Stan Lee create the Watchers after himself because he himself was the creator and all knowing entity wow write your thoughts to madaboutmoviespodcast at (laughs) gmail.com uh cool cool little easter egg there uh nebula's arm she says in the movie that it uh was taken by thanos or thanos did something to it but actually in the comic that the prequel comic to this movie she like cuts it off because it gets caught in like a laser so there's a little like weird, please make up your mind, guys, on what that really is about. Uh, the shirt that Star-Lord wears in the movie that's in the alien writing says, Gears Shift, in the alien language. I thought it was, um, yeah, baby, because that's what it looks like uh, in English. But actually, Gears Shift is a candy, like a galactic candy or something like that. So mm. don't know what that means, but that's what it says. Uh, I thought the Mary Poppins joke was hilarious in the movie. Yeah. Uh, The Cheers references were funny. They have a classic football game from the 80s that Star-Lord has kind of transformed into an alien tracker device of some kind. I don't know if that's a good joke or a lazy joke or just like, okay, stop with the forcing the nostalgia on us kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of an Easter egg nonetheless. And... uh, that's that's all I, I kind of saw, except for the just kind of pointing to the other Avengers movies or where they're going to go with uh, with all this. So, uh, a lot to take in, a lot to uh, talk about, and we've only scratched the surface, believe it or not, but we've been talking about it for an hour, so we need to get grades. Maybe we'll do a, I'm sure we'll talk about this again at the end of the year when we talk best and worst of the year in some capacity, and uh, maybe we'll have some kind of second conversation about it at some point but write us in your thoughts send us your thoughts on twitter email and all that we'll continue the conversation offline but uh brian where would you grade this one out at yeah it's a slight slight grade below below uh guardians one which i think i gave an right but even either an a plus or a very high a so i'll go i'm gonna go with a low a and i just to reiterate, I don't know if we mentioned how awesome the vi- how refreshing to me the visuals and the color palette were totally. in this compared to like most sequels, movie. yeah, most most freaking movies, but especially most uh, superhero movies and and you know direct indirect uh, attack on 
the uh, the DC. Hardly movie. any piss jars, though. So <sighs> I know that that's really why I didn't give it an A plus. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's the one thing that I felt like it missed. Uh, that's something that you you can't take away from Zack Snyder. He really owns the piss jar in a superhero movie market. Um, he kind of he kind of owns that corner. You can't really take you can't take that from him. I don't think. Um, no, he he's the champion to. of that. Yeah. So I'm going I'm going A, just straight A. Uh, Richard, how about you? I'm going to go A minus. Like the same grade I gave Guardian Volume sure. 1. So. Yeah, I will uh give it a solid A. Really oh. really enjoyed it. By the way, Nebula didn't shave her head. Karen Gillan did not shave her head for the movie, which leads to the question, why did you shave it for the first movie? You didn't have to shave it. Uh, well, she had to film the circle right afterwards. So. Yeah, she needed the didn't full, she needed every lock possible for the Guardian because they were probably all falling out while she was making it. Uh, wow. We'll, we'll have to see. Apparently, David Bowie was supposed to be in the movie, too. Didn't happen really? for obvious reasons, but uh, hmm. would have been... He would have fit well in this universe, uh, mm-hmm. in any universe, actually. But um, I, I maybe- could see them if he was in it. I would not have been surprised if he if he played. Did he start us? Oh, that would have yeah. been. I mean, with all That'd the meta cool. stuff, did you? I thought the Pac Man thing was like, oh my gosh, is this pixels? What are we? Yeah, that was a little. That was a little. Did the ego turn into yeah. Pac Man? For a second yeah. or something when they're fighting, Star Lord does. Yeah, Star Lord does. I mean, yeah. come on, what? Yeah. Wow. I I told you guys when Pixels came out that, you know, is this the best movie of the year? No, but it will be the most influential. (laughs) (laughs) It was. Uh, By the way, Zoe Saldana is very good in these. And she's like the most sci-fi girl ever, right? She's been in so many Avatar, Star Trek, and these. I mean, those are three huge... And she's committed. Wow, she's committed to every Avatar sequel yeah, too. I was gonna say get, in twenty twenty four because you're you're not gonna see her for ten years because she'll be oh. on unobtainium planet unobtainium filming uh, <laughs> dances with wolves. Unobtainium twenty twenty. Those are slated for twenty 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 one, and then Avatar four. They're making us wait three years for for twenty twenty four for that. Wow. Gosh, solid. What is it? When did that movie come out? 2009. 2009. Eleven years later. Good timing, guys. Great timing. Okay. Uh, I gave it an A. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Get stoked. Uh, maybe Volume 3 is set in the 90s. Late 90s. <laughs> so we'll get more 90s pop for the soundtrack. Yeah. Excited for that. That Zune. That Zune opens up all kinds of soundtrack. Oh, the Zune bit was funny. Yeah. Uh, strong third eye blind you think yeah. maybe semi-charmed life for the trailer mm. i could see get that some jams in here mm. let's get some gin blossoms you know yeah we'll see now we're talking my language pony, okay obviously pony okay <laughs> that'll be the uh star lord uh scene with gamora will be set to pony yeah. we can only imagine what that <laughs> how great that will be okay uh let's move on and hit a weekly recommend boom weekly recommends Okay, I'm going to recommend this week a uh, movie came out on DVD, La La Land. It's out on Blu-ray. Go watch it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Worth the pickup. I think I got it for $14.99 on Blu-ray. Definitely worth keeping in your collection. Uh, if not for anything other than to impress girls, guys. So, 
You you want girls to know you have La La Land in the house at any time. Anytime they want to watch it, they can do it. It's fine by me. So it's La La like, Land. It's like the opposite of Brian's Smoking Aces Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> All seven exactly. copies. Exactly. Um, so that's my recommend. Get out and watch it. Uh, I've been watching other TV shows and things like that. Silicon Valley, still super strong. I think I recommended that last week. Uh, that's going strong. And uh, last week tonight, John Oliver. I'm watching that too yeah. every week. Uh, that's you're back strong. on? You were down yeah. on it for a while. Now you're back. Uh, I'm, I'm on to the... the uh, I mean, he's very structured now. I mean, it's almost predictable what he's going to do. Sure. And the order he's going to do it in. And the punchline here, punchline here. But he's good at what he does, and it's consistent, and it's the kind of the only political commentary we have nowadays besides either Bill Maher and uh, John Stewart's not around anymore. Um, I'm not really on to Trevor Noah yet. Uh, I gave Trevor Noah a big chance for a while, but, uh, I mean, he had Trump, and he didn't. He had the Trump election, and he didn't even make it uh, as great as it could have been. You know, that's the easiest material ever, almost. And... Uh, <laughs> It wasn't that wasn't wasn't that impressed. Colbert has been getting a lot better in late night, but he's still not the political commentary that I kind of uh, crave. John Oliver is kind of scathing in that way, and I, I really like it. But I'm I'm ready for John Stewart to come back, so I can yeah. retransition my schedule around uh, John Stewart. Yeah, in animated form, apparently. So we'll find oh. out, and see how that goes. We, sh- we shall see. Uh, but that's what I've been watching. Cool. So uh, Richard. Yeah, mine is a book that's out this next week. Um, an author that we've talked about on the show before. It's a collection of magazine pieces and interviews and essays and stuff. Um, Chuck Klosterman uh, 10 comes out. So it's his first kind of collection book in a while. Um, wow. yeah. And so uh, if you like pop criticism nope. and pop culture and all this stuff, it's a good good thing to read. Especially if you're, I would say, if you're a young uh, person in your like early twenties, it's a really good kind of intro to criticism for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would I would highly recommend it. Brian, what about you? Yeah, definitely anything Chuck Klosterman writes, you should definitely read. Uh, if you're not familiar with his material, he's he's the best. I'm going to recommend a documentary that's on Netflix. It's called Chaos on the Bridge. It is, uh, it's very short. It's like an hour long. I think it may have come on Sci-Fi Channel at some point or something like that. But so it, it's a little short. Um, and all it is 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 about the behind the scenes of uh, the making of uh, of Star Trek: The Next Generation when it first uh, came, when they put it into production, and the issues that they had with Gene Roddenberry and casting of Patrick Stewart and blah blah blah. And uh, and William Shatner hosts it, so he's the one conducting the interviews and is the person that you see on camera uh, between between interviews and stuff like that. It's really interesting. It's it's very fast, and I, I it sh- that's probably its its biggest issue. It should be longer, so you get a little bit more of the story. But that's a if you don't if you're at all interested in um, those TV shows and those movies nope. and whatnot, <laughs> the. Uh, the next generation was uh, was very controversial for a while. Like it was, it had a hard time finding the right audience and all this sort of stuff. And Patrick Stewart almost didn't get cast, and we all love Patrick Stewart. He's great. So anyway, it was really interesting, and it's a really easy watch. You can check it out on Netflix, and it's called uh, Chaos on the Bridge. But I've already seen everything. So <laughs> awesome! Uh, excited. Okay. Well, uh, where can we find you online, Brian? 
You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle12. You can find my writing at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com and the MadAboutMovies Podcast newsletter that should be out very shortly. Yeah, Richard, where can we find you? You can find me at uh, Richard Barden on all social medias. That is B-A-R-D-O-N. Uh, you can find me at the MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com or the MadAboutMoviesPodcast newsletter, which will be out this week, a little bit later in the week. Have a few cool pieces and funny pieces that I think you will all enjoy in there from myself and from Brian. And Ken has a little something, as always, and a recommend and all kinds of goodies in your inbox once a month. Um, and then, uh, Ken, where can I find you? On the Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, social media, uh, at Kent Garrison. And find our show, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Buy a t-shirt on there. Help donate to the show. Help yourself by buying a t-shirt. That helps us and you look super fashionable. And uh, subscribe to us on the iTunes. Tell your friends and uh, help grow the show and keep this thing going uh, for four more years. Maybe how? Maybe four more Guardians movies. By the way, we haven't talked about Rocket and Groot movies happening, guys. This is It's going to happen. Spin off Rocket and Groot and the adventures of Rocket and Groot. Just wait. Okay. Uh, until next week, we, we're, we're talking about what, Brian? What new great next movie? Alien week Covenant. We're talking about King Arthur. Oh, the we are. Lost Sword or Legend of the yeah. Lost Sword or something like that. You know, yeah. this could be either a huge flop or a surprise hit. I've had a lot of people text me that they're excited for it. I'm I'm surprised. I didn't think it would have a huge audience, but I'm starting to think this may be a maybe a hit. I don't know. Oh wow! Did, did you take him in the draft? Nobody no. took it. No yeah. one took him. No one took it. Undrafted. Undrafted, Undrafted free yeah. agent. Undraft. Yep. Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas. <laughs> Tony Romo. Last pick of the okay. second round. Yeah. All right. Uh, until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Maybe I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya ya Tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again